Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are so excited about all that God is doing uh, in this church and through this church, and hopefully you'll make plans to join us uh, from some of those. Amy, great job on the announcements. I heard like an ovation over here. How wonderful. Um, uh, today, I have the privilege of wrapping up this eight-week series we've been doing on the Holy Spirit. And as I come to kind of bring this series to a close, uh, as pastors here, we are, we are painfully aware that eight weeks on the Holy Spirit is insufficient to even scratch the surface on who the Holy Spirit is, on his, his person, his work, his presence, and his power in our life. We know that we can barely scratch the surface on that, um, but we are hoping that as we uh, give some, some time and attention uh, to who the Holy Spirit is, to the work he wants to do in us and through us, that we'll begin to see uh, a greater movement and uh, a focus on the Spirit and what he wants to do in and through our lives. Uh, as we get to this time of wrapping up, um, one of my biggest concerns is that we will have enough knowledge about the Holy Spirit to be informed without having enough revelation of the Holy Spirit to be transformed, right? It's possible that we learn a lot and we are informed, but yet we don't yield to the work of the Spirit like in our hearts and through our lives in a way that will transform and change the way we live. And so we've been doing this practice uh, throughout this series where we light uh, a candle of illumination and pray a prayer of illumination. So my prayer for us today as we wrap up this series is simply that the Holy Spirit um, would come alive in our hearts, that our, our intellectual understanding of would meet an experience of, right? That, that we know him and we experience him because the Holy Spirit doesn't want us just to learn about him. He wants us to experience intimacy and friendship with him. And that is available. That is part of why he came. So will you join me as we pray this prayer of illumination? Father, Son, and Spirit, we come before you this morning so grateful for what you've done in and through our lives. Father, thank you for all the good and perfect gifts we've received from you. Lord, we're grateful for your Son who came and lived and died in our place that we might have life, and we're grateful for the Spirit that he sent that indwells us. Lord, we are grateful this morning that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. So, Lord, we pray today that that wouldn't just be a a piece of information we carry in our head, but that would be a revelation that transforms our hearts and impacts our lives. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes today, our hearts today, to receive all that you have for us. We don't want to leave anything on the table. We want all that you offer us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I have the privilege today of speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm excited to bring this word. It's interesting to me that Pastor Eric asked me to speak on this particular text and that he left town while I speak on this text. So uh, very interesting. I'm excited to, to bring this word uh, to us today. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When you got your bulletin as you came in, it had um, Romans 8 at the top. That's a beautiful passage of scripture. I'm not talking about that. Um, so I think what happens if you don't turn something in, they just pick for you. And so, um, good scripture, 
read it, check it out. Uh, not what we're talking about today. But 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we'll get there in a moment. Before we dive into the text this morning, I want to tell you a story about something that happened to me uh, when I was 16 years old. I went on my very first mission trip at the age of 16. It absolutely changed my life. It was so powerful. And uh, I went reluctantly. I didn't want to go on the trip, but the Lord made it really clear I was supposed to be there. We were in San Diego and Tijuana, but one night in San Diego, I was in line. We had a team of about 30, and I was in line for dinner. And, and one thing that you might already know about me is I love food, all right? When it's dinner time, I'm thinking about one thing, what's for dinner, right? And I happen to know that on this particular night, Miss Cat, who was one of our leaders, had made her world-famous chocolate chip cookies. They're so good. It's like the chocolate explodes in your mouth. It's beautiful. That's all I was thinking about. And all of a sudden, I'm in line, 16 years old, punk kid from South Carolina, and all of a sudden, I get a vision of a man's face whom I've never seen. As clear as day, like it's right in front of me, I see a picture of a face. Now, I had never had like a vision like that before. I didn't really know what was happening. So here's what I did. I did what we all do when we don't understand something. I brushed it to the side and pretended it didn't exist. Okay, I was just like, I'm just going to forget about this. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And then that night, uh, when I went to sleep, I woke up and remembered that I dreamed about the man whose face I had seen. I couldn't remember any details of the dream, but I woke up knowing that I dreamed about the very picture I'd seen the day before, and I was starting to get a little freaked out, okay? And then next night, again, in line, at dinner, boom, this face in my mind, a third time. So I asked my buddy who was standing in front of me, he was kind of like a spiritual mentor to me, I said, dude, here's what's happening. I keep seeing a picture of this guy's face, and, and I think I dreamed about the same face last night. Like, what does that mean? And he said, well, maybe the Lord's trying to show you someone. Just keep your eyes open. Okay, that's easy enough. Uh, so we get to our service, our ministry time that night. We're ministering in a homeless shelter uh, in San Diego. And there's a stage up front, and there's lots of tables. Okay, long, vertically, uh, the room is just packed. And I was on this ministry team where we did, like, choreographed worship songs and dramas and dances. Uh, it was not pretty. You don't want to see it. All right, but it happened. I'm ashamed of it, but it's real. Okay, so, so I, I did all these things. And this first song we were doing that night was a particularly uh, fast kind of song with a lot of spin moves. And spinning and me did not go hand in hand. So I asked my leader, her name was Miss Betty. I said, Miss Betty, you know, I was, I was given a testimony after the first song, so this was my excuse. I said, Miss Betty, I really feel like I need to prepare my heart for this testimony. Do you mind if I sit out the first song and just kind of get ready? Right, 16 years old. She said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So I'm sitting there uh, as they're doing their crazy dance, and I'm looking for a scripture that the Lord had put on my heart to share when I gave my testimony. And I'm looking, I can't find it. And all of a sudden, the lady who was kind of sat at the table next to me, I uh, bent down to pick up a pen off the floor, and there was the guy. And then all of a sudden, she sat back up, and I couldn't see him. And I wasn't sure, was this another kind of vision, or, or was this actually happening? So I looked around this lady, and sure enough, it was that guy, and I began to panic. I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and true story, the fan that was next to me had blown the Bible open to the scripture I was looking for. It was highlighted. So I got up, and I gave my testimony, and I read the scripture. I thought, maybe the Lord just wants this scripture for this guy, so I just read it. And I went to put the microphone down, and my hand froze. Now, one thing you need to know, if I could push pause here, is Miss Betty, our leader, did not like sloppy transitions, okay? We had testimonies for a reason, right? They matter, but it's supposed to be, you do your dance, you do your song, there's a testimony, that dance team leaves, the next group comes up for drama, right? And then it's a perfect, seamless transition. I messed that up. So I'm standing there, I'm holding the mic, right, 16 years old, and I can't put it down. And then over here off the side of the stage, Miss Betty's like, Daniel, get off the stage, 
put the mic down. And I, I just couldn't. And all of a sudden, excuse me, I'm sorry. I pulled the microphone back to me, and I look at this guy, and I began to speak. Whatever came into my mind. And the Lord began showing me things that had happened to him in his childhood. And I began to speak and say, the Lord's showing me, and blah, blah, blah. I had no idea. I wasn't out of control, okay? It's not like the Holy Spirit took over my tongue and started talking through me. But I just began to share things that all of a sudden I was sensing. And, and I gave this guy a word of encouragement. And all of a sudden, I, put, I felt released. I put the microphone down. This dude erupts into tears. Runs up to me and says, how did you know that? I'm like, know what? I didn't even really know what I'd fully just said. What you just told me about my past. Like, honestly, I think the Lord just showed me I have no idea. I was not aware of spiritual gifts at 16. I did not, I had no concept of what was happening. I understand it now in hindsight, but in the moment, I did not understand what was happening. The Lord was giving me a word for this guy, and it was, it was amazing. He came weeping, and I was able to lead him to the Lord in that moment, in that service. And I was praying with him for like 20, 30 minutes, so I got out of so many dances that night. It was awesome. <laughs> But here's the thing, right? I, I didn't know what was happening, but it was a gift of the Spirit that was at work in my life. And so we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit that Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, and, and, and there's a few disclaimers I need to give you before we do that, okay? A few myths we need to bust about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not weird. Okay, you might want to write that down. All right? The Holy Spirit is not weird. And, and many of us treat the Holy Spirit like the crazy uncle who shows up at Thanksgiving dinner. Right, and, and he's, you, he's, you're embarrassed because of the stuff that he says and does. Right, it's like, ah, oh, he's so inappropriate. Right, so many of us feel that way about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not weird. Okay, are there weird people? Yes. All right, does the Holy Spirit still use them? Yes. But that does not make him weird by transference. Okay, I, I think it's important to recognize that distinction. There are a lot of eccentric people in the world, but can I tell you something? Even if they weren't being used, if they weren't exercising spiritual gifts, they would still be weird right? You, you know them, all right? If you don't know them, you might be them, right? Just, just be right. The Holy Spirit's not weird, okay? Number two, the gifts of the Spirit are still active today. The gifts of the Spirit are still for the church today. There are, there's a pocket of people uh, who believe in uh, what's called cessationism, and that means that the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, cease to be operational. They cease to exist uh, when the first century church leaders died, that the Holy Spirit was given to empower them, all right, in the first century. But when those early apostolic church leaders died, the gifts of the Spirit ceased with them. Others who believe in cessationism uh, believe that when the, the canon, the Holy Scriptures, was formed uh, a couple of centuries later, that that's when the gifts of the Spirit went away. But in my own study of the Word, I don't see anything that indicates that the gifts of the Spirit uh, were to be limited, that they were to be in existence from the time that the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2 at Pentecost until Jesus returns, okay? Uh, there's a theological uh, word uh, for those who believe in cessationism, uh, and I, I think if I'm pronouncing it right in the Greek, it's wrong, okay? It's just wrong. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but I'm kind of serious. Right? Some people believe that we might have a theological difference, but I believe the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. Why? Because I don't see evidence in Scripture that they're not, and because I've seen evidence in my own life and in the lives of others where it happens, where the Holy Spirit is still moving and doing some crazy stuff. So we can deny it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's good. Okay. Number three. Okay. Just because something can be abused does not mean it should not be used, 
right? We, if we've been following Jesus for any number of time, we have seen people do things in the name of the Spirit that probably have nothing to do with the Spirit, right? We've seen abuse, uh, we've seen misuse, and because of that, we tend to want to shy away from it, and we throw the baby out with a bathwater. Let us not do that. There are lots of things, lots of gifts that have the potential to be abused, but it doesn't mean we should avoid them. Like, leadership's a great example. Leadership is a gift given by God, and it's been abused over and over through the centuries, but it doesn't mean God doesn't still work in and through leaders, right? We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. And finally, uh, there's a myth that some people believe that the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are only available uh, to these, like, a class of super spiritual Christians, right? Or the crazy charismatics, Okay, the Holy Spirit is only for the super spiritual or the crazy charismatic. But no, that's not what the Word of God teaches. The gifts of the Spirit are available to all. All right? Even Presbyterians. Right? For all of us, the gifts of the Spirit can flow in us and through us. It is available to all of us. Okay? And so sometimes we get nervous because we think of charismatic. But did you know that in the word charisma... Right, in, the, in the New Testament, when the word charisma or charismata is used in the plural, um, that it simply means a gift of grace. And it's seen in Scripture over and over where the Holy Spirit, uh, it, it, and you see this word in the New Testament Scriptures, it's where the Holy Spirit is working in the life of a believer. So if the Holy Spirit indwells you and he's working in your heart and life, I have a secret for you. You're a charismatic. Right? You didn't know it, but it's true. In the purest sense of the word, that's what charisma means, okay? And so we're going to look today at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So as you're getting there, by the way, I have a lot to cover today. It's going to be fun. We're going to go fast, okay? If I go too fast, feel free to throw something at me. And just don't hit the candle because that could be messy. <coughs> now, as you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, let me give you a broad uh, distinction that might be helpful, okay? And it will help me tie in the passage of Scripture on your bulletin that we're not talking about. Okay, so as you read Scripture, there are three kind of different categories of gifts that we see. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we're going to explore together today, all right? When you look in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 6 to 8, it talks about the motivational gifts. There are seven gifts mentioned in Romans 12 that are referred to as motivational gifts, and that has to do with the way that you and I are wired, it's how we interact with the world. It's, it's a kind of our underlying primary motivation uh, that drives us. That's called a motivational gift. And then in Ephesians 4, we see what is commonly known as the vocational gifts. Uh, Ephesians 4.11, it is him who gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, uh, for the building up of the church. This is usually, these gifts are usually uh, for people who are being called and set apart for full-time ministry. It doesn't make them more special than anyone else. It's just a vocational gifting of the Lord putting his hand on someone's life, a calling, and saying, I want you to serve me in this way. Okay, so there's vocational gifts, Ephesians 4, motivational gifts, Romans 12. It's on your bulletin for your reference later today. All right, and then what we're talking about today, spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're going to read together the first 10 verses. You guys ready to get to work? All right, here we go. <clears throat> now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I love that verse, right? God does not want us to be uninformed about the working of His Spirit in and through our lives. He wants us to understand these gifts because He wants to use us to operate in these gifts. Okay, verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. 
Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God would ever say Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Okay, here we go, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone. Somebody say all and everyone. All and everyone. Okay? For everyone. Guess what? That includes you. It is the same God at work. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Some of you got super uncomfortable when you heard manifestation. Okay, don't worry. It's not weird. Now each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. The reason why we have the gifts of the Spirit is for the common good and the building up of others. Paul makes that clear. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. Okay. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these, these nine gifts, are the work of one and the same Spirit. And get this, He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay, the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts to each one of us just as he determines. So here's the main point I wanted to take away from this morning. The Holy Spirit can give any gift to any believer at any time for the sake of others, right? Okay, that's right, thank you. For the building up, right? For the encouragement. The Holy Spirit at any time can give you any gift. All you have to do is be a willing, yielded vessel and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you. Okay, so I want us to break down these nine gifts. Okay, we're going to go kind of quick, but I want us to look at these gifts and try to understand what that means for you and I today as we seek to keep in step with the Spirit, as we seek to enable the, or allow the Spirit to empower us to live lives of holiness and righteousness. There's another whole category we haven't even looked at yet, and that is the gifts of the Spirit that He wants to use through us for the blessing and benefit of others. Okay, so in these spiritual gifts, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, there are three broad categories. There are the discerning gifts, uh, what's called the declarative gifts. <coughs> I'm okay. The declarative gifts or the vocal gifts, and then the dynamic gifts or the power gifts. So we're going to kind of go through these categories, recognize these gifts, and look at them each in turn. Okay. Number one. Now, also, as I said, a lot of content. I don't know if I mentioned. We are going to attach all of these slides. Um, to our weekly reflection tomorrow. Because if you try to write them all down, you will experience a hand cramp. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it. If you're not on the Monday reflection, uh, give me your email address afterwards. I'll make sure you get it. But we'll send you all these slides so you don't have to try to furiously uh, get everything down. Okay, so discerning gifts. The first of the discerning gifts is a word of knowledge. Okay, a word of knowledge is, is what happened to me uh, in San Diego on my first mission trip with that guy. The, a word of knowledge is when the Holy Spirit enables you to know something that you could not possibly know by natural means. Okay, it's a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit makes you aware of something that you did not learn through natural means. Okay, uh, there's a great example of that in John chapter 4, uh, where Jesus is ministering to the woman at the well, and she's had five husbands, and the man she's living with is not her husband. Jesus tells her all of that about her past. Right? The lady didn't tell him that. He discerned that through the Holy Spirit. 
Right. Does that make sense? So that's a word of knowledge. Uh, I wish I could say that that's happened to me many times. It hasn't. Okay? Uh, that, in fact, might be the only really crystal clear time where I've experienced that particular gift. But again, the Holy Spirit can give any gift to any believer at any particular time for a specific purpose. Okay, the next of the discerning gifts are the, the gifts of discerning between spirits. Now, we need to make a little distinction here, okay? Because discernment, we all need discernment, okay? Some of you will say, I have the gift of discernment, and all you mean is I'm a judgmental person, and I use a spiritual term to hide it. Right? That's not discernment, okay? We all need discernment, but there's a difference between common everyday discernment and a gift of discernment. A gift of discerning of spirits is when the Holy Spirit enables someone to recognize the presence of demonic activity. All right, there is a very real activity in the demonic realm that is real. Uh, I would tell you stories, but we have kids here, so I will not do that. Uh, but there, it's real, okay? It's real, uh, and we don't have to be afraid of it because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. That we've been given all authority over every power and principality through what Jesus did for us. We don't have to be afraid of those, but there are times where all of a sudden the distinguishing of spirits will become active and you'll recognize something going on in the spiritual realm that's not immediately on the surface. Okay? That's a gift of discerning of spirits. The last of the discerning gifts is, is a word of wisdom. Okay? A word of wisdom is slightly different from a word of knowledge in that a word of knowledge is a supernatural download of information that you could not have learned by natural means. The gift of wisdom, a word of wisdom, is when the Holy Spirit shows you exactly what to do in any given challenge or situation. If there's an unanswered question, an unresolved challenge, the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom right, to know how to navigate that moment. As leaders, we desperately need this in our lives. If, if the, the missions, activity, and outreach of our church is dependent upon me, we're in big trouble. Right? But there are going to be times where, as any leader will tell you, you don't know what to do. Praise be to God that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Right? You can ask the Lord for wisdom, and he can give you a gift of wisdom, a word of wisdom, to know exactly what to do in a particular situation or challenge. We experienced this, I experienced this in, uh, in, on a mission trip to China. I had a team uh, in China. We were in Wuhan uh, for about a month, and we left Wuhan and went to Beijing. And, and while we were in Beijing, uh, we'd been there for about 24 hours, and one of the guys on our team came up, and he was super nervous and said, Daniel, I, I feel like we're not supposed to be here. Now, here's what you don't know. Like, Wuhan was pretty comfortable. We had nice accommodations. We ate good food. We'd been in Beijing for about 24 hours. The food was terrible. Our living conditions were terrible, and I thought this guy was just being a baby. I'm like, go back to your room and stop whining. Right? It's not that the Holy Spirit wants us to leave, it's that you can't handle this. All right? And that's what I thought as a leader. I was 24 at the time. But I could not shake that. And I prayed and said, Lord, is there anything to this? And I love this scripture in James chapter 1. I, I come to this all the time as a leader. James 1.5, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who will give generously to all without finding fault. So I asked the Lord for wisdom and I believe in that moment he gave me a word of wisdom that we were in danger and we needed to get out. So I went and told the team, hey, pack your stuff. We're supposed to be there for two weeks. Pack your stuff. We're leaving. Where are we going? I have no idea, but get your stuff and get it quick. And, and we left. And we learned later that the secret police had been watching that ministry. And uh, not long after, they invaded it and shut it down. I don't know what would have happened to our team if we were still there, but the Lord gave a word of wisdom that day through someone else on our team, right? They gave direction and guidance that I believe protected our team and kept us safe. All right? It was a gift of the seer. These are the discerning gifts. Word of knowledge. Discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, okay? We're going to switch gears now. Let's look at the declarative gifts or the vocal gifts. Uh, the first of the vocal gifts is prophecy, 
Okay, prophecy. When you hear prophecy, most of you probably think of someone speaking something about the future. And sometimes a prophetic word is a declaration of what God's going to do in the future. But more often than not, it's not about the future. It's, it's simply a word of encouragement from God. Prophecy is simply when God has a word of encouragement, he wants to give to someone, uh, to another person. And, and through you as a human vessel, he gives a word of encouragement to another person or persons. Just last week, a buddy of mine uh, had some tragedy in his family, in his life, and I was praying in my quiet time, and the Lord just put a scripture on my heart, and I shot him this scripture and a, a little word of encouragement, and it hit me, that, was, that is prophecy in the biblical sense of the word. What is prophecy? 1 Corinthians 14.3 tells us very clearly, okay, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. That is the filter that tells us what prophetic ministry looks like. It's a word of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. In fact, when a message is given uh, from the Lord, a great way to test it is, is the hearer strengthened, comforted, and encouraged? If not, it's probably not prophetic. It's probably the flesh, right? Uh, but God allows us to, to do that, to be that voice, okay? And there's a verse in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 that I love. It says, follow the way of love. And eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I have to stop and ask myself, do I eagerly desire spiritual gifts in my own life? Paul instructs us in the word that this is something we should eagerly desire. And he says, especially prophecy. Why? Because prophecy, I think more than any of the other gifts, has this unique ability to be like a word of, of fresh life breathed into someone. That, that, that we are encouraged and edified and built up when somebody speaks an encouraging message from God right? That strengthens, that comforts, that encourages. And Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. If the spiritual gifts is something you don't want to just learn about, but you want to exercise and experience, you just ask. You just ask the Lord for more. In fact, I want to invite you, we're going to get crazy on December 4th at our healing prayer service. Uh, if you want to know more about these, these gifts of the Spirit, join us on December 4th at 7 o'clock in the chapel for our healing prayer service. Uh, we're going to just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that moment, and it's going to be great. Okay? One of the best ways to be convinced that the gifts of the Spirit are for today is to see them in operation and see them change people's lives. You won't be a cessationist anymore after that. Well, okay. We good? What was I talking about? Prophecy. That's right. Okay, prophecy. So eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Now that brings us into another. And why does he say especially prophecy? Because in Corinth at the time, uh, there were a lot of believers in the church there that were speaking in tongues and that felt that they were spiritually superior because they were operating in the gift of speaking in tongues. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, fascinating chapter, he compares prophecy and speaking in tongues. And, and that leads into that second declarative, or um, sorry, yeah, uh, declarative gift, speaking in tongues. I want to define what that is, define what that isn't, so we understand it. Okay, if you're getting nervous, just embrace it. All right, speaking in tongues. When the Bible talks about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, that's when God gives a message to someone in another language that is unknown to the person who delivers that message. Okay, so God can give a message in another language to someone, right, that they don't know the language they're speaking. That is the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. And we're going to put a bookmark there. I want to understand there's a difference between the public gift of tongues and the private grace of tongues. There's praying in the Spirit, in our own spirit, and we have to understand this difference, or 1 Corinthians 14 is confusing. Okay, so the public gift is when you are given a message in tongues uh, and it comes through. This happens countless times in the book of Acts. And when I say countless times, I mean it happens three times. 
Okay. In Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, you see the Holy Spirit descend and people begin speaking in other tongues. And Acts 2 is a beautiful picture. Uh, all these Galilean disciples uh, suddenly have the Holy Spirit come on in them and they start speaking in tongues. And all these people who had come for the Feast of Pentecost from all over the world were amazed that all of these disciples from Galilee were speaking their native language where these folks had come from in a perfect dialect. All right, that is a gift of tongues. All right, it's speaking another language that's unknown to the messenger. All right, and, and I, I've heard a story of a team that was in Botswana, Africa. They got there and there was no translator. Someone stood up and began to speak in tongues, and afterwards someone in the crowd came up and said, you perfectly presented the gospel in our native tribal language. This guy had no idea. He just stood up and began giving a message in tongues. Right, God used it in that moment. Is that weird? Feels weird, right? But it's real, Okay. Now, there's this praying in the Spirit. So in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, it's like Paul saying, okay, stop speaking in tongues so much, just prophesy. But then he says, yeah, but, but pray in the Spirit. So it's, it's kind of confusing. Paul, what are you talking about? He's making that distinction between the public gift uh, of tongues in a worship service and the private grace of having your heavenly prayer language where you, where you pray in the Spirit. In fact, we know this because in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, Paul says, I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. Paul's saying this to Corinthians, I wish you all would speak in tongues. But, and then he goes on and kind of explains the distinction a little bit. In verse 14 of the same chapter, he says, but if I pray in the Spirit, right, my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, talking about praying in tongues, and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing with my understanding. In other words, there's a difference between the public declaration in tongues in a worship service and praying in the Spirit in your private devotional life. If that's something you've not experienced and you want to, uh, I'll give you a formula. Ask and receive. It's that easy. Right? We make it hard. Ask and receive. God, I want everything you have for me. I don't want to leave anything on the table. If you have a gift for me, I don't want to reject it because I don't understand it. I want to embrace everything you have for me, Lord. Okay? So that's the difference of tongues. So as we talk about these declarative gifts, Paul moves into uh, the, the last in this column, which is the interpretation of tongues. So what was happening in Corinth is people were getting up and giving a message in tongues, and no one was interpreting it. Uh, can you say mass chaos and complete confusion? All right, that's what's happening in Corinth, because people are giving messages in tongues that aren't being interpreted. And Paul says anytime a word is given in tongues, the public gift, it should always be interpreted. All right, he gives very specific instructions about that. Uh, he tells us very clearly that's the right order of worship so that people aren't confused. That, uh, you know, tongues makes no sense to the unbeliever. Okay, it needs to be very clear, a message from the Lord, so there should be an interpretation. So the gift of interpretation, which I can assure you I have not operated in yet, but I'm waiting for it. So if one of you guys get a gift in tongues, let's see what happens. But it simply means that the Holy Spirit enables you to understand the thought or intention behind a message given in tongues. The thought or intention. Some folks get confused because I've been in services before uh, where uh, a word in tongues is given and it's super long and someone gives up and gives a super short interpretation. Like, that, that, that can't be right. Uh-uh, that's not right because he was longer. He was like five minutes. That was 30 seconds. But it's not the translation of tongues. It's the interpretation of tongues, Right? It's not a word-for-word -word translation. It's, it's a general gist. What is the thought and intention of what the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate? And there's an interpretation that comes with it in the order of public worship when that happens, okay? So that's the declarative gifts. You have prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then we move to the last column of spiritual gifts, and that is the, the dynamic gifts or the power gifts. Uh, the first one that we'll look at is the gift of faith. 
Okay, so what is the gift of faith? Aren't we all supposed to have faith? Yes, right? We all have faith to follow Jesus. Hebrews 11 tells us, in fact, it is impossible to please God without faith. We have to have faith. But this gift of faith is different from the everyday faith that we need to follow Jesus. What is this spiritual gift, gift of faith? It's when the Holy Spirit uh, gives you incredible confidence uh, uh, for any particular outcome. Okay, there's a supernatural endowment of belief and confidence that something specific is going to happen. Uh, let me give you an illustration. Uh, a few years ago, I had a team in Thailand, and, and we're on the mission field, and we're in a village uh, where there was no local church. And we were planning to do a worship service, and uh, we were hoping that people would come from all over the village, and we'd be able to present the gospel uh, to some who had never heard the name of Jesus before. And about an hour before the service began, it just began raining, dumping rain. And we had to have this gathering in the courtyard of the church. I can't remember the reason. We're going to be outside, and suddenly we're like, nobody's going to come if it's pouring rain. So this one guy on our team, his name was Brian. Uh, he's a songwriter in Nashville. He writes for Toby Mac, a bunch of big guys. He's like, hey, I feel like the Lord's saying we need to go out and worship in the rain. And as we worship in the rain, the rain will stop. I said, dude, you're going to ruin your guitar, and we're all going to get wet. That's all that's going to happen. That's what I'm thinking. Of course, I was too holy to say that. But I'm thinking, you're just going to ruin your guitar, and we're going to get wet. Uh, but okay, he had this gift of faith in that moment that if we did this, uh, that God would stop the rain. So we go out, and we begin worshiping. There's about 12 people on this team who can confirm this. As we worship, the rain stops. And that says, well, okay, that could be a coincidence. Let's not get crazy, right? Rain comes, rain goes. But what was crazy was it was raining all around us. The only place it was not raining was over the church. We could turn 360 and see the rain, but there was no rain over the church. And people came, and a service happened, and we shared the gospel with people in a way. And God caused this gift of faith to rise up in Brian's heart, and he was able to lead us into something supernatural. Right? That's different from the everyday faith. Does that make sense? Okay. Kind of, yeah. We're going to talk about that more, buddy. Don't worry. <clears throat> now you move on, right, from, I'll say, gift of faith. Another one is the gift of healing. The gift of healing. Let me talk about what this isn't. The gift of healing isn't just for someone, right, like a, a particular person who has a unique ability to pray for you and see you healed. Again, the Holy Spirit can give any gift to any believer at any time for a specific purpose. And you are just as likely to be healed through the prayer of someone in your youth group as you are the most famous healing evangelist on TV, right? Some of you might have seen some of those things on TV, like I'm anointed as handkerchief, and you send me some money, I'll send you the handkerchief, put it under your pillow, you'll be healed. Don't waste your money, okay? If you're that eager to get rid of your money, I have the gift of receiving, I will help you, all right? But there's no magical formula. It's not a gift that some people possess. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit can use at any time. And one of the hardest questions we've talked about before, sometimes the Holy Spirit heals, sometimes he doesn't. We don't always know why, but it's not our job to know why. Our job is to trust who God is when we can't understand what he does, all right? But what we know is that at any time, the Holy Spirit can enable any believer to pray for someone and see supernatural healing take place. Okay? Jesus operated in this gift all the time. Right? And, and I know what you're thinking. It's easy to say, well, yeah, he was, he was the son of God. That's easy. But remember, he surrendered his divinity, Philippians 2, and he lived on this earth right, in humanity. Uh, he, he, wasn't, he, was not, he was still God, still man. But what's interesting is you don't see any miracles, uh, uh, any healings in the Bible recorded in the life of Christ until after the Holy Spirit descends on him, like a dove, at his baptism in Matthew chapter 3. After that, you begin seeing Jesus healing people. That's not to say he never healed anyone. There's no biblical evidence that he healed anyone until the Holy Spirit came. Why? Because it's a gift of the Spirit. And Jesus, just like us, relied on the Holy Spirit to work and move through him. 
And you know what's crazy? Jesus said this in John 14. You will do even greater things than what I've done because I'm going to the Father. And if I go to the Father, I'll send the Spirit, and he'll do these things through you. That's a pretty bold proclamation that Jesus made, right, in John 14, 12. You will do the things that I've been doing and even greater things. And the last of these power gifts, dynamic gifts, is the gift of miracles. Miracles is simply uh, the supernatural intervention in the way that things normally work, right? There's a way that our, our, our universe is, is wired to work, and when that system is divinely interrupted, okay, that is when there's a miracle. For example, uh, five uh, loaves of fish, and, or two, yeah, five loaves of fish? No, that doesn't work. Five loaves of bread and two fish is not enough to feed 5,000 people, but there was a miracle that happened uh, when that happened in Matthew 14, and the, the, the food was multiplied, when Joshua prayed that in Joshua, um, Joshua 10, that the sun would stand still. The sun stood still for almost a full day. That doesn't happen in the normal course of events, right? It was divine intervention that caused the miraculous to happen. And again, any believer can operate in any of these gifts at any moment as the Holy Spirit enables them. That's what I want us to get. There's all these different gifts that Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 12, and they're all available to you and to me. I want to read one last scripture before we have <coughs> our final worship song. And I really believe that my prayer for us as a church is that we don't leave anything on the table, right? If God has something for us, let's embrace it. Let's not reject things just because we don't understand them. Let's recognize that the Bible teaches this. The Holy Spirit is real. He is powerful. He wants to work in us and through us. And if we yield ourselves, man, he will do some crazy things that you can never do in your own strength. As we look at uh, Luke chapter 11 together, familiar passage you've heard before, but I want us to see the context here. <coughs> so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. So if you want to experience a greater manifestation of the Spirit's power in and through your life, what you need is the courage to ask and the willingness to receive. Because Jesus told us everyone who asks receives. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is available to you and to me because the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us, and he wants to enable us to do things that we cannot do in our natural strength. Every single time you see the Holy Spirit descend in the book of Acts, you see that people boldly proclaim the gospel. There's a new courage that happens in our ministry to others once we recognize that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So may it be with you, and may it be with me. Father, we thank you for your word. <coughs> Lord, we thank you for these gifts that you've given through your spirit. And Lord, we pray that you would come right now in this moment and help us not just be informed by your word, but Lord, help us be transformed by your spirit. Lord, we want to experience your presence and power in our lives. So Lord, we ask you boldly today, would you give us 
all that you have for each one of us. We know it's not from ourselves, it's from you. But Lord, we don't want to leave anything on the table. So Lord, we boldly and courageously ask if there's something we're missing, if there's something not operational in our life that you want to be, would you give us these gifts? Not for our sake, but so that we might serve and bless those you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.